Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's up, and welcome into the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. It is finally here. The weekend is upon us, but first, another great show is yours today on the podcast. Hi again, everyone. I'm Daniel Sellerson, filling in for Sean Kelly, who has a much-deserved day off, and after watching... The first quarter of last night's football game, I thought the Texans took the night off as well. They were down 24-0 to the Colts after one, but made a huge comeback. But then they fell short of the victory, 33-28. to How about J.J. Watt? He's a touchdown machine, and no, he doesn't play on offense. He has one receiving touchdown, an interception for a touchdown, and now a fumble return. And he has more touchdowns than LaShawn McCoy, Calvin Johnson, and Larry Fitzgerald combined. How about that stat? But again... The Texans fall last night to the Colts, 33-28, and the Colts take a one-game lead in the AFC South. No Saints game this weekend. They are on a bye week, in a, which I think came at a perfect time with the injuries and the momentum from a win last Sunday. So Saints fans can just relax on Sunday and watch the other NFL games and uh, won't have to worry about having a panic attack. But don't worry, we'll still talk about the NFL today with Mike Garofalo from Fox Sports 1, who covers the league from them, and we'll also talk a little college football Tough break for the Georgia Bulldogs, who suspended running back Todd Gurley indefinitely for potential violation of NCAA rules. Pat Forty from YahooSports.com will join me to talk about that and help preview the great games in college football this weekend. Also, I apologize for those trying to listen to the Monty Williams Show last night at 8 p.m. on 105.3 WWL. Due to technical difficulties, the show ran at 9 p.m., but don't worry. If you missed it, I'll play for you Sean's two-part sit-down with Monty, as we do on every Friday on the Black and Blue Report. So a blockbuster show for you today, and I don't want to waste another minute of it. So when we come back, Mike Garofalo from Fox Sports 1 will come on and preview this weekend's NFL games. Back in a moment. The New Orleans Pelicans are taking flight, and you don't want to miss any of the action. The Pelicans' five-game flex plan presented by Domino's is the opportunity to pick the games right for you. Ticket plans are the only way to guarantee seats to the biggest games, including the matchup against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Plus, each plan comes with a free Domino's pizza. Five-game packages start as low as $45. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to score your five-game plan today. 
In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. There's no Saints game to preview as they are on their bye week, but there are plenty of other games to talk about. And to help me preview week six in the NFL is Mike Garofalo from Fox Sports 1. Mike, great to have you on the program again. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. I want to start with uh, Thursday Night Football. Arian Foster, we all heard his comments about no player likes playing on Thursday Night Football, and you can tell the Texans don't after falling last night 33-28. to but do you think the NFL will look into playing on Thursday night football, or is it here for the long haul? No, I think it's here for the long haul because this is just another way for them to generate revenue. Uh, it's really hard for them to kind of walk away from that, even if the quality of football is not great. Um, you know, they, they tinker with it. They've done uh, a lot of things to try and improve the quality of the game, such as limiting the travel, the distance, and, and, and playing a lot more divisional games so that you know your opponent and you don't have to game plan as heavily or, or excuse me, research into the team you're playing as heavily. So uh, I, I can't imagine that there'd be much more that they could do. The only other thing they could do would really to make sure that both teams have a bye before the Thursday game, but that's just so difficult from a schedule standpoint considering everything else that needs to be taken into account. So I, I think that this is just what they're hoping is a run of bad luck as far as the quality of games. I happen to disagree. I think the quality of football on Thursday night has always and will always be inferior to what you get on Sunday or Monday. I mean, this is just one person's comments from Arian Foster. Have you heard from other players that they don't like it, or is this mm-hmm. just him speaking yeah. for everyone? Yeah, and, and going back to uh, when they first made this a full slate a couple of years ago, and I wrote a story about how really the road team – uh, gets it as uh, gets it worse than the home team just because uh, that time that you have to take to travel when you only have a limited number of days, uh, you need every single minute that you can get. And those, those road teams have to get on a plane and get settled in a new uh, a new environment. It's really tough on them. And, and I wrote another story about how uh, players just you know they don't they don't feel right until Thursday or, or excuse me Friday or, or Saturday and get ready to play for a Sunday game. So, no, these guys have been griping uh, nonstop for a couple of years here. Arian Foster is not the first, and he won't be the last. Well, even though the Saints aren't playing, we start by talking about the NFC South. In your opinion, what can we take away from the first five weeks in the NFC South? (laughs) In the division, not a whole lot, because (laughs) this thing is wide open. It really is. Uh, and, And I don't see one team that's really... Uh, looking like it's going to separate itself from the pack right now, which means we could be in week 17 and saying the same thing. And uh, You know, I like what Carolina's doing. I think Cam Newton's uh, a little better than I thought he was going to be as a passer. I think he's still starting to uh, develop as as a passer, and that's scary because we know what he can do uh, with his legs when healthy. Uh, and, and this same team, I, I talked to Pierre Thomas, uh, after that game the other day, and he called it a must win. And I said, that's the most overused uh, phrase in sports, must win, because mm-hmm. unless it's, you know, you have to win or you're out, then it's not really a quote-unquote must win. But I, I I do understand what that term means. And that game the other day against Tampa Bay was about as must win as, as it gets when it's really not a must win game. So 
uh, that that season could have fallen off elsewhere. And now now that just served to really scramble this up even more. And I think it's going to be a while before we have a real feel who's going to run or who's going to win this division. Are you kind of surprised that a two and three team like the Saints is only one game back in the NFC South after Week Five? Uh, I, the only thing I'm surprised about is I thought the team that was going to separate was going to be the Saints. So I, I think I'm surprised that they're two and three. But if you had told me through five uh, games that this team was going to be two and three, I'd say, well, then clearly this division is going to be wide open, and that's uh, certainly the case because you, you you look at the other teams in this division. To me, the only team that was going to be able to separate with New Orleans, I was surprised. Uh, how slow out of the gate they were. Uh, I really thought that they were poised for one of those seasons where they announced themselves as one of the dominant teams in the NFC. And I, I still think that they're up there. I still think that they have a real shot once this defense comes together to be one of those dominant teams in the NFC and really challenge uh, Seattle and San Francisco and all those teams that you expect to be up there. Uh, but, no, I, if, 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 again, if you had told me they were going to be 2-3, and three, I'd say this division is going to be wide open. We're talking with Mike Garofalo from Fox Sports 1 covering the NFL. I want to switch to the AFC West where the Chargers lead the Broncos by a half game in the, in the division. Are the Chargers a legitimate threat to the Broncos this season? Yeah, absolutely, because they know how to play them. And, and they showed that last year. When they play Denver, they are about as good as anybody of slowing the game down, of holding the ball, of keeping Peyton Manning on the sidelines. Everybody talks about, oh, that limits Peyton Manning's opportunities. Not only that, it throws off their offense. So, the fact that they're playing so well against everybody else is really uh, a, a tough sign for Denver because they, they've got the blueprint for how to beat them, and, and they've played them really tough, and they put a scare into them in the postseason a little bit. So uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't think that that division was as much a lock for Denver as a lot of other people thought. I, I obviously would have given them the edge coming into the season, but I, I figured that San Diego was going to be better. I, I was a lot higher on, on Kansas City than I probably should have been, too. I, I really thought it was going to be uh, those three teams kind of knocking off one another, and uh, Kansas City is not quite to that level, but that two-team race between San Diego and Denver is going to be interesting. You talked about the Saints being surprised at 2-3 and three in the NFC South. Um, we are a little more than a quarter way through the season. What teams have surprised you the most, most whether it's a good way or a bad way? Well, before they lost to uh, New England, Cincinnati was the biggest surprise for me uh, because I, I didn't think that they were as complete as they looked. And it may have very well been a, a facade, and, and this team may be ready to come back down to earth here, starting with that loss last week. Uh, but that team surprised me to the upside because, again, I did not think that they were as complete as they looked in the first couple of weeks. I mean, look, they've got a lot of good players in a lot of places, but you know, the, the, the fact that they looked like there were no weaknesses really surprised me. And, and the team that I thought was going to be better, and I thought I was on to something when they beat San Francisco, was Chicago. I, I, I thought that they were more of a complete team. There were questions about their secondary, and I, I said if there's a weakness, it's going to be there. Uh, and they've proved to be a weakness, really, at times. But I, 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 And I don't love the quarterback, but I thought he was good enough to, to help them win with the arsenal that he had. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little disappointed in Chicago right now because, me, I thought they were going to emerge uh, as the team to beat in that NFC North, and they are not that. It is still Green Bay. Lastly, before I let you go, I see a lot of good matchups for this weekend. What games should the fans keep an eye on the most? I, I think it's Philly, it's Philly and the Giants. I mean, it's been a long time since we've had this kind of, uh, you know, uh, trash talking, I guess you want to call it, mm -hmm. going back and forth leading up to the game. And, you know, these teams have not been really that great at the same time. And 
looks like we are there right now, and, and they have not disappointed with how they've traded barbs back and forth all week long. And they, it's still about what happens between the lines. But to get you lathered up and to get you ready, these teams have hit the right notes this week. So that, that, that's really the game you're going to be watching that's coming Sunday night. And it should be a good one. Absolutely. All the games should be good this weekend. That's Mike Garofalo from Fox Sports 1 covering the NFL. Mike, thanks for the time, and enjoy the football this weekend. You got it. Thank you. When we come back, we switch gears to the college ranks as Pat Forty from Yahoo Sports previews this weekend's college football action. We'll be right back. Let's get the ball rolling for a thrilling time at the Sanderson Farms Championship PGA Golf Tournament, November 3rd through 9th at the Country Club of Jackson. For lots of first-class golf and fan-pleasing fun, join us for the Sanderson Farms Championship. It'll be quite a ride, unless you're chicken. For ticket information, visit www.sandersonfarmschampionship.com. Fans cheer on your Pelicans as they play their final preseason game against the Dallas Mavericks at the CenturyLink Center in Bossier City on Thursday, October 23rd. Prices start at just $9 from www.ticketmaster.com. While in town, enjoy the opening weekend of the State Fair of Louisiana, our numerous casinos, including the world-famous Horseshoe Casino, and Hotel. Check out hotel packages for the game and other things to do at shreveport bossierorg or call 888-45-VISIT. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. We like to coin Pat Forty from Yahoo Sports as a friend of the program, and he is joining me now to talk a little college football. Pat, good morning. Hope all is well with you. Doing great. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Pat, I want to start with the big story. Todd Gurley out of Georgia suspended indefinitely from what's being reported as collecting cash from memorabilia. Don't know what the true facts are right now, but just the impact on Georgia football right now with Gurley gone. Well, it's huge. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people think he's the best football player in the country. And uh, if you take him out of the mix, you're going on the road to play an SEC game against a good team in Missouri. And two of his backups are hurt. So their depth is just all of a sudden decimated at that position. And they've lost their star power. I mean, the guy could do everything. He could run with power, run with speed. He could return kicks. He can throw the ball even. So it's a big loss. How long do you think he will be suspended? They said indefinitely, but do you think this is a whole year thing, or do you think it's maybe a couple weeks? You know, it's hard to say. It uh, depends really what comes out of this. You know, if, it, if it's been determined that he's taken major benefits, uh, it could be the rest of the season. Um, but, you know, if it's a one-time thing and it's an amount of money that isn't that huge, then it may just be a game or two or three. Uh, I'm not really sure, but we'll have to wait and see. Pat, if I would have told you before the season started that after six weeks of college football, both Ole Miss and Mississippi State were ranked in the top five, would you have thought I was nuts? Yes, I would have thought you were nuts. Uh, very unlikely, improbable, but uh, really great story. You know, you like kind of those fresh stories, and these are two schools that have usually are, are battling it out to see who's fifth and sixth in the SEC West, and to have them both unbeaten. I was in the state of Mississippi last week for – uh, the game in Oxford, and I was also spent some time in Starkville, and I'm headed back to Starkville uh, Saturday for the Alabama, or the I'm sorry, the uh, Auburn Mississippi State game. So uh, it's kind of great to see. It's certainly highly improbable. Now you wrote a great pre- piece a couple days ago about Mississippi State's Dak Prescott. Um, you brought up the comparison yourself. Is he the next Tim Tebow in your opinion? 
he has a lot of Tebow in him, I yeah. think, in terms of uh, leadership, charisma, and how he plays. Uh, you know, I mean, he wears his number. He's coached by the same coach who is the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach at Florida, Dan Mullen. And they use him <clears throat> similarly. You know, I mean, he's, he's got the ball in his hands all the time. He's a dual threat. He runs a lot. He can run with power. They're about the same size, 6'2", 235. And, uh, you know, he's, he's elevated his program in a similar way to Tim Tebow did. I was following your tweets yesterday, and I believe you're a part of the college football mock playoff committee with other members of the media. And I believe you were talking about the t- 2008 season. How do you think it went? Uh, it was good. It was interesting. You know, I, I, I wish we could have done this season, but I understand, you know, we're only halfway through it or maybe not even. So it, that may not have been feasible. But you get a good idea for some of the complexities of it and the difficulty really in looking at teams with similar records but dissimilar schedules and, you know, what are the best wins, what are the worst losses, uh, you know, and just how do you want to decide who's going to be in this playoff? Do you want, you know, it to be body of work? Do you want it to be statistic-based? Do you want eye test? Uh, you know, they, everybody approached it from a different angle. So it was it was very spirited discussion, uh, a lot of disagreement and debate, but uh, it was it was very useful, I think, to understand what the committee's going to have on its hands. And I know you can't tell why, right now whether this playoff system's going to work, but do you think for right now this is the best case scenario for how to determine a national champion well it's certainly better than the last way yeah you know i think it's uh it's an improvement over the bcs uh so yeah it's a step forward you know i think eight teams would be better and i think eventually that'll happen but i think it'll be a while um you know the contract on this one for is like 12 years and uh you know i think the current commissioners it was enough of moving of mountains just to get this far i don't think they're necessarily up for for redoing this thing in any any hurry you mentioned comparing teams with their body of work there's still eight remain remaining undefeated teams in the top 25 and two outside of the top 25 marshall and georgia tech with this new playoff system in place does an undefeated marshall team get in over a one-loss team from the power conferences uh, marshall has no chance marshall's <laughs> schedule is terrible um you know they they could be 50 and 0 and they're not getting in with the schedule they're playing so you know they could end up in a New Year's Six bowl game, that's that's a possibility. But uh, outside of that, I, you know, Marshall just t- didn't schedule it to give itself any chance with that schedule to uh, to get into the playoff. Now let's go focus on this weekend's games. There are five top twenty-five matchups this weekend. You mentioned Auburn, Mississippi State. Which one is the most intriguing to you? Whether it's a team finally being tested or a team that their playoff fate hangs in the balance. Well, I mean, I, you know, I'm going to Auburn, Mississippi State, and it's two versus three, so that one has a lot of intrigue for me. But otherwise, the, the other two games that I think are really interesting are Baylor-TCU um, in Waco. TCU has been hard for Baylor to play the last couple of years. They blew them out in Waco two years ago and barely lost to Baylor uh, last year when Baylor was really, really good. So... Uh, we'll see if TCU is for real. We'll see if Baylor's for real. And then the other one is out west, which is kind of a playoff elimination game between UCLA and Oregon, two teams that you know came in favored to win their divisions in the Pac-12, and uh, and now they're trying to stave off being eliminated from playoff contention right now. Before I let you go, I want to put you on the spot a little bit. If you had a vote right now, who would be your Heisman winner? I'd vote for Dak Prescott. Uh, no, no hesitation on that especially after the girly news last night 
That's Pat Forty from Yahoo Sports covering the college scene for them. And, uh, Pat, always a pleasure having you on. Enjoy the games this weekend. All right. Thanks very much. When we come back, we'll turn our attention to basketball and hear from Pelicans head coach Monty Williams. Gatorade knows every victory starts from within. It's the determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. That's how greatness comes from within. Win from within. I'm Tom Richards. I'm 35 years old, vice president of sales at a regional paper company. Six months ago, we decided to transition to one of those cool collaborative open space offices. So now I sit in the open next to three other sales managers, which means there's nothing separating me from... (coughs) Not getting Carl's nasty cold and missing a sales opportunity this winter? That is my purpose. Blend it now. Try the Immune Builder Smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to stay healthy this winter. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. This is Pelicans head coach, Monty Williams, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Well, the Pelicans practiced yesterday after coming home from Jacksonville the night before, and will practice today and tomorrow as well. It's becoming a tradition unlike any other today after the Monty Williams Show runs on 105.3 WWL-FM. We make sure you guys get the chance to hear Sean Kelly's most extensive interview with the coach on Friday's show. Well, today is no different. Here is part one of Sean's sit-down with head coach Monty Williams. It's on to visit with head coach Monty Williams, who's fresh back from that first preseason road trip. A long one at that. Three games are in the books now for the Pelicans. Coach had him on the practice floor earlier today. Coach, talk about the first three. What kind of a sample size was it for you in learning about your team here early? We got a chance to uh, look at a number of our guys. It was good in a number of ways. I got to play A.D., Ryan, Drew, Eric, and Omir without playing those guys' heavy minutes. You know, three of those guys are coming off surgeries. Two of them played all summer pretty much, and so we wanted to keep those minutes, their minutes, down to 25, and uh, we were able to do that and got a chance to see that group work a little bit. Got a number of looks at Austin and Jimmer. Russ and Patrick didn't get a ton of minutes, but they got enough to see them play a little bit and get their feet wet. It was good to see Alexi get back on the floor last night. You know, those first three games, when you looked at the schedule, we figured that they were going to be games that we wanted to be patient with our rotations. And I was really proud of the fact that we held teams to 91 points. Things I, you know, I wasn't happy about was our shooting. Uh, we didn't shoot the ball well. I mean, games two and three, we've been shooting in the 30s as a team, and that's something I think is going to come with conditioning and once guys figure out the offense. So you're okay with with it at the moment, I guess. Is that what I'm leading to believe here? Yeah, no, I don't know if I'm ever okay with shooting in the 30s, <laughs> especially with our our crew of guys, our shot selection in Jacksonville against Washington wasn't great and our guys to a man they you know I showed them on film today that the shot selection has to we got to play with and for one another and we didn't do that well last night we got a number of stops anytime you can hold Washington with the firepower that they have to 91 points says a lot about your defense and a lot of that's due to Omer and AD and Drew, those three guys in your in your lineup, you should be a, a decent defensive team. You talked about a couple of guys right there when you're talking about defense. How much of that right now is 
better defending the ball, and how much of that is better defending the rim? Because you mentioned guys that play both of those roles for you. Well, we have the ability to do both. The thing that hurt us last season, we gave up corner threes. From the left corner, it was 39%. From the right corner, it was 48 and, and all of those numbers are bad when you want to be a good defensive team. So we're, take, we're trying to take away the rim and the three ball and force contested twos. And that's something that takes some time to get your guys thinking that way. And, and we've laid that foundation and we want to continue to do that. You talked about wanting to limit some of your starters and, and really be smart about how you look at them. Did you see enough of a guy like Ashik or some others to either confirm what you thought or learn something more in those first three games? I, I just learned that Omer has a great IQ for the game and we have to look for him more on offense you know he's he's open around the basket now he's got to score when he gets the ball but uh, there were a number of opportunities for him to get the ball and and, and operate better than we did last night and, I, and I've made that point today so I've, I've learned a lot about his game obviously I, I know Tyreek and Drew and all of our guys, AD, but I'm learning more about Omir and how he's going to help us play. And I'm talking to him about schemes and things that can help our defense. We actually had a conversation today about it, and I said, do you see anything that you would change or something you've learned from another team? And Omir was like, no, Coach, I, I love our system because we, we pretty much run the same system that they ran in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I think we'll be better now because we have him. You handed Darius Miller quite an opportunity to start at the three through the first three games. What did you take away from it? Uh, you know, I said I didn't want to make a lot of determinations about positions. I didn't see what I wanted to see from that position. That doesn't mean he played badly. It's just nobody has jumped out at us from that position and said, look, I'm the guy. And uh, Darius is a hard worker. He's He's been in our gym all summer. In three games isn't a ton of time, but in the preseason, it's it's a lot of time when you're trying to solidify your rotation. And so it's not just Darius. He and Luke would probably, to a man, say that they have to play better from that position because you know I played the three uh, my whole career in the NBA, and that's the one position where you have to do everything. You got to guard the post. You got to guard pin downs. You got to be in transition. You got to guard and pick and rolls. It's a a number of things that you have to do, and it's taxing. So they have a a huge task ahead of them. When we come back, Sean will be back to talk more with the coach, and I'll wrap up this Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Let's get the ball rolling for a thrilling time at the Sanderson Farms Championship PGA Golf Tournament, November 3rd through 9th at the Country Club of Jackson. For lots of first-class golf and fan-pleasing fun, Join us for the Sanderson Farms Championship. It'll be quite a ride, unless you're chicken. For ticket information, visit www.sandersonfarmschampionship.com. Stay up to date on the latest breaking New Orleans Saints news by downloading the team's official app presented by Verizon. Check out the 2014 schedule, league standings, and statistics. Plus, have access to watch live press conferences with Coach John Payton and players while reliving your favorite Saints moments. The Saints app makes the perfect game day companion with a detailed map of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome highlighting the facility's amenities. The free New Orleans Saints app presented by Verizon is available to download on iTunes and Google Play. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. 
Welcome back to the show from Studio B on this beautiful Friday. And as promised, here's part two of Sean's interview with Coach Williams. Coach, you uh, had a hectic start to, to training camp. You had two-a-days. You felt like you were cramming it in a little bit before that first preseason game and then the long road trip. Now here, back home, no game until Tuesday. What's the next section of training camp like for your guys? It's probably, for me, where we, not that training camp starts now, but this is going to be an important part of our camp because we felt like we were a bit rushed to start. We tried to jam a lot into four or five days and then start playing games. Now we have a great amount of time at home where we can add to our packages, solidify what we do, and play on our home court. And so this is, to me, where training camp kind of starts in a way because we have so much time to really nail down some things. We're going to go two-a-days on Saturday, and I think the end of two-a-days is Sunday. But we're going to make sure that we get another session of two-a-days just so our guys realize that we're still in camp. We've got to have a camp mentality. You were really pleased at the shape of your ball club when they came in to start at the beginning of the month. Did the three games confirm that, or do you have to uh, continue that part of their regimen here over the next couple of days? I think we're still in that mode of trying to increase guys' minutes, time on the floor, so that we can be in even better shape. I was happy with the base that we laid. Coach Carlos and his crew do a great job conditioning and then the work that our coaches do on the floor with the guys sets that base or lays the foundation. And now all of that being said <laughs> is nothing like playing and getting up and down the floor. So now we're we're trying to get that NBA shape, and that's hard to do unless you're playing in a game. Coach, for the guys further down on the roster, whether they're camp invites or guys that will eventually be your 11, 12, 13 guys, uh, at this point in camp, does, does their camp change a little bit? Do you focus in more on who your regular rotation guys will be? Or what, what's it like for them at this point? You know, game four, we'll probably look at everybody. We'll start to increase minutes a little bit, trying to get our top five or six guys up to 30 minutes apiece at least, mm -hmm. just so we can start to build those levels. But you still want to be able to give your younger guys and, and the camp invites, they've, they've done a really good job busting their tails every day. And I want to try to get a look at Kevin um, a little bit and DJ, um, who might be the highest jumping guy <laughs> in the NBA right now. I've, I've, I've not seen too many guys jump this high. and Maybe our fans will get a chance to see him. He, he is something to watch. And he can play too. So he's He's a guy that we want to get a chance to look at. And, and then John Salmons is a guy who's, you know, getting his legs underneath him, and he can play with both groups. You know, we're, we're looking at putting him in the rotation more. And then, you know, we're hopeful that Tyreek will be back on the floor soon so we can get that group together. Last Thursday, Coach, you gave me a guy or two to watch more closely than maybe the others. Based on what you had just talked about, who should we zero in on maybe over the next stretch of six to seven days? You know, I, I would probably... John and, and Alexi, two guys. John's a guy that, you know, he's older, and, and sometimes it takes those guys a few weeks to get their camp legs and then game legs under them. Alexi's uh, a guy who's been out for a while, but he looked pretty good in Jacksonville, and he's a guy that we feel like can help us as a fourth big on any given night. If we get in foul trouble, we don't feel like we're – or there's a drop-off when we put Lexi in the game. And so those two guys over the next two weeks, and you add Tyreek into that, that mix, we hope to have all those guys back on the floor and give our, our fans and the organization a true look at who we are. Have a great weekend in the lab, also known as the practice floor in the film room uh, this weekend. Yeah, we're, this is an important time for us. And 
We're going to have a lot of film study, a lot of time on the floor, more scrimmaging. Uh, and we'll put our guys in situations that are more game-like so we can get our, our NBA legs under us and get ready for the season. Thank you. All the best. Thank you. Quick programming note, there will be no Monty Williams show for the next three Thursdays. The Pelicans play preseason games on the next two Thursdays, and then the Saints take on the Panthers on Thursday Night Football, October 30th. So the next Monty Williams show will be on November 6th. This show will be back on Monday as we will recap all the NFL games, hopefully with Steve Weiss from the NFL Network, and we'll continue our coverage of Pelicans training camp as they get set for their preseason home opener on Tuesday against the Houston Rockets. Don't forget you can follow the show on Twitter at Black Blue Report or myself at D. Salerson, and hopefully everyone enjoys a great weekend of college and NFL football. Well, that'll do it for me from Studio B, and until Monday, I'm Daniel Salerson. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.